right, Plain Bird Ray, our thrift store find. <laughs> Mike, what was the bad idea that hit you? Well, it says it's the bad idea is the bicycle delivery service. I disagree. I think it's the product they're delivering, which is broken VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> it, beats, it beats my idea, which was Butler-hosted search portal. <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First? The world of board games is huge and growing by the hour. So we hunt down board games from all over the spectrum. Different styles, genres, themes, even eras. Are they worth digging up or should they stay buried? Let's find out. First up this week, we space suit up for an uncertain mission and play the cards we're dealt in The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. Next up, we enter the court of an uncertain monarch to help solve the troubles of the realm in The King's Dilemma. And lastly, we spearhead a startup through the uncertain times of the dot-com bubble in Burn Rate. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Howdy. And Mike Grenier. That's me. Let's get started. Our first game up this week is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, designed by Thomas Singh, published by Cosmos in 2019, number of players 2 to 5, ages 10 and up, playtime 20 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what comes in the box. On the cover of The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, we follow two intrepid space explorers tethered to an unseen ship as they float towards a mysterious and most likely dangerous world. <laughs> Inside the box, you'll find a manual, a logbook, 81 cards, and a punch board with 16 tokens representing tasks, communication, and a distress signal. And that's what's in the box. Okay, it's T-minus two minutes to this review, and Evan, why don't you give us the final safety check with the rules? The crew... The Quest for Planet Nine is a cooperative trick-taking game. The players are a team of astronauts tackling a variety of challenges in space. Each mission has a different success condition. For example, a victory condition might be that Ed must collect the green five. Succeed, and we can go to the next mission. Fail, and we have to try again. The game follows many of the standard rules of trick-taking games, meaning the highest card of any suit will take the trick, and there are trump cards, which overtake the highest card of any suit. And of course, there's no discussing your hand with other players. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Once per hand, a player can communicate one fact about one of the cards in their hand. But the communication is limited to expressing that one card is either the highest, lowest, or only card of that suit. There are 50 missions in all, with each mission becoming more challenging. The team wins only if every single player is successful in fulfilling their tasks. And of course, the crew knows that in space, no one can hear you play. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming into the void. Well, we played this game on Board Game Arena, and you can see our disastrous playthrough on YouTube. <laughs> well, It was disastrous, Evan. Don't even try to, <laughs> to justify what we did there. It was a travesty. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So if you want to witness that, check it out there. We played it live on Twitch. So it was fun for the audience as they watched in horror as oh. our crew, <laughs> I guess, I don't know, drifted out they into space. They were screaming at yeah. us. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Oh, man. <laughs> um, choices were made. Not exactly the right choices, but choices right. were made. At least choices were made. 
<laughs> right. If you want to check out our live playthroughs, which can sometimes be disastrous, we are on Thursday nights, 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time on Twitch every week playing those playthroughs. <laughs> so this one was pretty nice looking on Board Game Arena. This is an award winner, huh, Ed? Uh, yes, this was the most recent Kenner Spiel Desires winner. Now, what's the difference between the Spiel de Jaris winner and the Kenner Spiel de Jaris winner? Well, the Spiel de Jaris is the game of the year. So the best overall like game for regular players. While mm. the Kenner Spiel de Jaris is the game connoisseured game of the year. So people who love to play games, and you know who you are, <laughs> this is their pick for game of the year for gamers. Interesting. Interesting. This also won Board Game Geek Best Cooperative Game of the Year in 2019. Man, this is a winner. Huh. I'm surprised it's Kenner Spiel de Yaris. Because, how'd you like that, Mike? I love because, it. <laughs> because I think it's a really approachable game. I think it's very open to brand new people, people who don't usually play games, especially people who play trick-taking card games. You're not the only one with that opinion. A lot of people have mentioned that the Kennerspiel game winner this year was surprisingly open that it could have been a Spiel game in other years. I could teach this game to somebody in minutes. It's a basic trick-taking game. I mean, so if you know games like Hearts, Spades, or bridge. even Bridge, mm-hmm. no, you know how to play this game. Except that uh-huh. this game is cooperative. <laughs> yes, I know. What a nice twist. What a nice change. Not just teams, fully cooperative, which is quite the shift in your mind if you've played a lot of bridge and you're thinking, mm-hmm. how can I take as many tricks as possible? You don't have to take as many tricks as possible. You just have to take the right tricks in the right order. The right person has to take them as well, not just the right team. It's kind of jarring. But yeah. the... Tr- the challenge here, because in a cooperative game, you normally have open lines of communications with the other people, but in this game, you do not. You're, you are subject still to the rules of no table talk, with the exception of that one time that you're allowed to communicate one fact about one of your cards. Yeah, that's the comms, the ability to use the comms once, and sometimes once. it works well, sometimes it doesn't. It really <laughs> depends on what rules you are playing with that particular mission so each mission has different rules the inherent challenge there is in a cooperative game with such limited communication is i think what really is the heart of this game and what what drives it what pumps it what makes it challenging and fun at the same time it takes away that whole quarterbacking problem you have in some of the other cooperative games because of the limited communication that you have so mike what is quarterbacking quarterbacking is when one person who knows the game well gives probably too many instructions to the other players and makes them feel like they're not really in control of their own game. Okay, so Mikey, if you play this card over here and then uh, Evan, you play that card over here and Celeste, you play this and I'll play this one, we'll have the game won. Okay, quarterback. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is a perfect example, Ed. And I think you qualifying it with they have to know the game well is not necessarily the truth because it really depends. <laughs> they just have to be the alpha type personality that just wants to dictate to everybody what they think <laughs> the best plan is because all other plans and ideas are just wrong. Yes, that, that is the harsh, extreme way to say that. Yes. <laughs> Each mission is different in this game and that is really fun and interesting. I like how the makes it a cooperative game because everybody is working together to solve a puzzle, but they only have 
a couple of their own pieces and they can't even show what pieces they have. The limiting factor of the way you present your information when you use your communications token is you put your card out there that you want to tell everybody that you have in your hand and then you either and you put a marker on it that says it's the highest, the lowest, or the only card in that suit. You don't even say words. You just put a token on there to indicate that. And hopefully that's helpful information to other people. Although sometimes it can actually be worse to put something out there that like that. Well, I wonder if you could develop conventions for that, just like Bridge does. Because Bridge <laughs> mm. is a game of limited communication trick-taking. I think they actually created a convention for you. I don't think they're... They mean for you to create another sub-language out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, I call that cheating, but some people call that strategy. I don't know. Yeah. Right. How about this? If I place my marker on the card with my right hand, it means this. If I place it with my left hand, yeah. it means this. Yeah. And I think that would be conveying more information than the game intended with the communication. Then throw in the challenge that we played this online, live, on Twitch, for an audience. Okay. I mean, y you would not go on to watch a bridge tournament you just would not do it because it'd be just people there looking at their cards and saying nothing right at least not without an an announcer of some kind right <laughs> right like in a poker tournament right yeah. you have the, the the those people doing that <laughs> so evan now I, I was approaching that uh the back nine uh there and i was kind of thinking that uh, i was gonna need a nine club but it actually ended up using an eight club <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. right baloney table talk like that that's totally bogus yeah. so how could we not table talk our way oh, through yeah. this to some degree. I mean, it was like impossible. It was an impossible scenario we set up for ourselves in a sense. Well, on Twitch, we also do trivia for the watchers. So I did trivia about space and they can answer it while we're doing it. And I'm like, oh boy, I better have like double the amount of trivia <laughs> as normal because we can't right. talk for most of the game. What happened anyway was, yeah, this gross amount of speculation on our part, you mm -hmm. know, an absurd amount of chitter chatter. And it didn't help us anyway. No, it made it worse. <laughs> no. No. Oh, no. Celeste. Why would you talk? Why, 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 did you... why didn't you give that? I'm sorry, guys. I failed the mission. <laughs> you, I was counting on you more than anybody to do the bridge thing here. So. Oh, my God. All right. All right. That was awful. All right, we, um, okay. We're renaming this uh, the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Yeah. the worst. So many times. <laughs> we failed so many times. Oh, yeah, gosh. a terrible example. Like Evan has to get the three card and the eight card, but it has to be the the eight card before the three card. And I play the three card. Yeah, before right. the yeah. eight right. That's come it. out. Right. right, so it's an instant fail. That's because in a trick-taking game, when a shoot is led, you must follow that shoot, even if you don't want to. Like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, she led with the three. I know Mikey needs to win it. And he has to play the highest card in that suit to win it. But I have to play my nine. That means there's no way he could be able to take that. There's a couple of ways that the missions will throw wrenches into their works here. In some cases, there's little arrow tokens that means you have to get this card before that card. There's one that's an omega token that means you have to take this trick last. And I don't want people to think that the missions are complex. They're not. They're not. Three, two to three sentences, very simple rule shift, like a, a, a slight change. And what's great on Board Game Arena is the mission stays up in the center of the game board the whole time. And the missions rank up in level of difficulty. There are 50 missions in a game. They start with very simple missions, and they gradually introduce a couple of twists along the way. 
I love progressive rules teaching in a game. Sure. Yeah. I You wouldn't expect just a regular trick-taking game to have almost like a progressive story to it, but it really kept me wanting to play the next game and the next game, and they're all very quick, especially if you fail. <laughs> 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 yeah, you don't even need to finish the round. Oh, so wrong person took the three of blue. Game over. Reset. Yep. Fail. Try again. <laughs> Knowing and loving Bridge and playing it often definitely hampered me in this game because of those little rules. I think it actually helped. And I'll tell you why. Because you start to learn the value of different things like having a singleton or a void in a suit. And that's a language you use in Bridge. And I think it's very helpful for trying to solve the more complex missions you're going to encounter in the game. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was talking about the fact that you have to resist your impulses to mm -hmm. do the, the normal thing you do in Bridge, such as feed a card that you know somebody needs to the person that needs it because there's a rule that says you can't feed it to them yet in the crew. Whereas mm -hmm. in Bridge, you just mm -hmm. feed what you need to feed. So <laughs> the Bridge rules being so, so specific and strict and never changing was the issue for me. Yep. And yeah. they get ingrained in your head, you know, so you're you're thinking in your mind winning every trick. You know? Well, it's just muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Mike needs this card. I have to give it to him. Oh, I gave it to him too soon. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. So, yep. The, you got to modulate yourself. Yep. Yeah. The, so the suit that is Trump is rockets and there's only four of them in the deck. Um, so and whoever gets the four of rockets is the captain for that turn. So they get to make some of the decisions like. Who has to try to get which card, you know, like distribute the different missions in within the mission. Because they are theoretically in the best position. They have the single best card in the deck. They can guarantee a win of one trick. Which can dictate how the entire round goes. Absolutely. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury the crew. Ed? I'm very impressed with the crew. It works well as a cooperative game, and it's a fun puzzle as a trick-taking game. So I'll dig up this Kennerspiel winner for my next mission to space. <laughs> Evan? The crew offers a nice departure from the usual trick-taking games. And as a co-op, it's a really nice way to keep everyone involved in every trick played. Dig it up. Mike? The crew takes trick-taking games to the final frontier. And the mission book kept me wanting to explore even more. So I definitely will dig this up. Yep, if you're a trick-taker, it's a no-brainer to get this super fun twist of a game. It is no wonder that it's an award winner. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about the crew, the quest for Planet Nine, we would love to hear from you on social media. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Check out our pictures there and our playthrough disastrous as it was on YouTube. <laughs> Wasn't that bad. Our next game up is The King's Dilemma, designed by Yalmar Hawk and Lorenzo Silva, published by Horrible Guild in 2019. Number of players, 3 to 5. Ages 14 and up. Playtime, 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. On the cover of King's Dilemma is a mighty king in a darkened room, face-palming as he sits atop his majestic throne, heavy as the head that wears the crown. Inside, you'll find a realm board, 75 sealed secret envelopes, 300-plus cards, 12 house screens, 
a Chronicle sticker booklet with 177 stickers in it, 12 mystery stickers, which we don't even know what those are yet. I don't know. Um, a leader token, a moderator token, and 154 other tokens to track coins, power, resources, and vote outcomes. And that's what's in the box. Before we find out if this game rules or should abdicate, Evan, tell us how it's played. The King's Dilemma is an interactive narrative legacy game where players represent the various houses leading the government of the Kingdom of Ankist. Each turn, one card from the Dilemma deck is drawn, which poses a problem that the Council has to resolve on the King's behalf. As members of the King's Inner Circle, your decisions determine how the story proceeds and the fate of the Kingdom. Each event happens only once. You discuss and bargain with the other players, then finally each player votes yay, nay, or pass. Depending on how the vote winds up, the story progresses with the consequences of those decisions for better or worse. You have to keep the kingdom going while also seeking to fulfill the goals of your house's secret agenda card. Mm. This power struggle may lead the kingdom into war, famine, or riot, or it could generate wealth and well-being. This will depend on your choices. What is good for the kingdom as a whole may be bad for your family, or vice versa. Will you act for the greater good, or will you think only for yourself? That is truly the king's dilemma. We played this game live. We got a copy of it a million years ago (laughs) at PAX Unplugged, a review copy of it in December. And because of COVID, we did not get a chance to play it until now. You can see some of the components on our game day highlights on Instagram. And boy, I wish that this game had some good how to plays online. Everything online makes this game look so complicated. Yeah, don't let the game fool you. There's symbols all over the place and cards with lots of text on them and tons of flavor text on your on your uh, character screen, but at the heart of this game, you're basically voting yay, nay, or abstain, and then moving the different resources around that you voted on, and then calculating the points that you get from what happens. And based on your choices, something happens. Yeah, the rule book is intimidating. I'm not going to say it isn't. It's 48 pages. (laughs) Yeah, it's beast. Ed, didn't you say there were six pages of color text? Yeah, there is. In the back of the book, there's six full pages of color text describing the kingdom and the neighboring uh, uh, nations around that kingdom and some of the history that gone on before. So, and, and let me get this straight. Does this game come with a double-sided map that you neglected to show us before what? we played? <gasps> it, oh, there was I a second side. I did show this to you. You neglected to look upon it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> I think I would have remembered. And I know I put the map right next to Mikey. He was looking at it the whole time. Mike, he just said you were I, looking at the map. I don't remember two sides to the map. I was looking at one side of the map. Well, you didn't flip it over, but yes, it's a double-sided <laughs> map. <laughs> Nobody told me there was anything on the other side. <laughs> Mike, don't you have eyes on the bottom of the table to see these things? <laughs> one side shows you a, a blow-up view of the kingdom, and the other side shows the continent. I would have loved a map for reference, but I guess Mikey was hoarding it. I was. I was hoarding the map. (laughs) Wow. This is a legacy game. So there were Mm -hmm. things we actually did that are unalterable, like signed documents. Oh, my gosh. That felt awful, didn't it? Like something official was about to happen. You became responsible for it. (laughs) Right. That's the thing. When you sign that event, 
because you were the leader of that vote decision, you were therefore <laughs> responsible for the consequences of that decision. <laughs> yep, people will be able to look back on your bad decisions for eternity. Uh, clearly, or this was a forgery. Uh, get that document away from me. I just want to say, for people who, you know, even Mike's description of this game was somewhat more detailed than anybody who's going to play this game needs. Because honestly, if one person knows the rules, you could simply hand out a faction card and start playing. And all you got to do is read it, role play it, vote. That's it. And it, it's kind of interesting because it's not like, oh no, if I don't know what the rules are completely and what these symbols mean on my thing, I'm going to lose. Because sometimes the bad outcomes are actually good outcomes for yes, something else. Exactly. That you're to do. Because mm-hmm. the truth is you can't predict what everything, how everything's going to go. And that mm-hmm. was great. That is where theme extremely informs play. The, the theme of this game is you're a council. You've got to vote for the king, but you could be making tons of decisions that you think are good, but could turn <laughs> out completely bad because there are X factors you don't know about culturally by the other nations that are nearby. You just don't know everything. And that's the truth. Would you know everything if you were on this council? Right. No. That's a great approach to the game because there's a little bit of complexity in the legacy element to the game. You only need one person who knows that complexity to show everybody else what's going on. But if you just take the the game and just dive into it, you can learn what you're and actually pick what your strategy is going to be as you play the game. Like, as the world unfolds to you, so is your motivation, your stories, and what you want to achieve. When you're voting on something, it's kind of a surprise what's going to happen. Like, you'll see two symbols on there that mean your food stores will go up and your wealth will go down, but you have no idea to what degree that's going to happen. And also, when you flip over the concluded vote card... You don't know. You might get a a surprise envelope that has something in there that's completely different than anything you imagined happening in that scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Including additional dilemmas to add to the already pile of uh, (laughs) problems the king has to deal with. The never-ending dilemmas. Yeah, because of your decision that you made, different dilemmas add up in your deck. So did you decide to do X or did you decide to go Y? If you go Y, then... These events could happen if you go X, and those events might happen. So it's kind of your choose-your-own-adventure path in that way. I think they did a great job at kind of honing that into a story that feels like an actual story, where we can look back on the decision we made and go, darn it, if we hadn't made that decision, this probably wouldn't have happened. I think we made the right decision, frankly. Incorrect. Uh, but I, w- <laughs> uh, I thought the decision was great, because I won. <laughs> well, you won the round. You didn't win the whole game. <laughs> well, I won that session. And you only won yes, because that you got to be the tiebreaker. We were tied. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes the tiebreaker function. Yeah, Very important. Nobody wanted to take the tiebreaker away from me. That's one of the things you take away during voting is you can just be the person who breaks ties. And with the margins being so small on all the decisions that happen, a tiebreaker is actually really powerful. How many is the most amount of people that can play, Ed? Well, the game says box says three to five players. No, if you can get four or five players, I think that that's your kind of sweet spot there. I would think the more the merrier on this one. I would say five people would be great. I would yeah, love is. to try this at five. It really felt like we were the small council that really ran the government behind the figurehead of the king. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was very... 
that was in the theme and it felt like it in the play as well. <laughs> I kept I kept yelling off the table to someone not in the distance who doesn't exist. Your Majesty, we're making decisions on your behalf. We're doing well. <laughs> right, and then- right. And I would be talking in the council room as if we were in court to present to mm-hmm. everybody. My mm-hmm. thinking behind. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! You know, that so that I was that was better than the other guy. So role playing, Mike, is a huge part of this game, and it can even hamper your decisions against your own scores, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I was playing a character who I wanted him to be kind of jovial and helpful to people, and sometimes that felt like the wrong decision when we were making the vote. But I loved making that decision anyway because it fit the personality that I was trying to play. I think the two of you have it well in hand. I don't think any sane person would ever bet against. Ah, uh, very convenient milk. for you so to not I'll even have to put any power. Are you are you become the <laughs> moderator of your the opinion case, does or not are you gonna? I'm, I'm role playing here. Apparently, your opinion has no weight you since you passed. It is meaningless. You put your no word opinion. behind nothing. You support no one with that, I, and all the rest of the court knows it. I guess you could be Ooh. rage-filled in you front of everyone. You do not put your money where your mouth is, sir. Oh, I diff- I know where the money is. She's yes, shaming the in purple your porcupine. pocket, not in the hands of those who need well, their windmills Well, replaced. tell everyone in court what a, a terrible person I am. I'm sure they'll believe you over me. <laughs> oh, they don't need to believe me. They can hear your cowardly <laughs> words. Mood. I'm in a great mood. She's in a terrible mood. He shall Who let. Do you want to follow around. Uh, he shall let the Marquis Willio and oh, House. Wait, House. Gillian. House. Poulet Roy and House Gillian do all the work for him. How convenient. Mm. That is great. I don't think I don't even need a great. game. Oh yes, right. <laughs> I'm just sit around and do that all night. It's so funny. Like, oh, yeah, I want to be so helpful, but yet you ended up with the most craven point at the end of the scenario. Those are crave points, not craven. <laughs> craven means cowardly, and there was nothing cowardly about what I was doing. Well, there's a reason. Why, there's a reason why they're called crave points as opposed to prestige points. Well, there's it's two different kinds of uh, currency in the game. You know how much desire you have for something, or how much people respect your army. They're two separate things that don't play against each other necessarily right so we don't know how they're valued until you get to the very end of the campaign mm-hmm. but oh boy. you get prestige points or crave points and both of those will determine your end game score but how much are they worth yeah we don't know mm. <laughs> that's what's cool about <laughs> legacy games in general is like the the far end outcome could be multiple different outcomes and you just have no idea how to get to them or what they even are. It's awesome. So this game reminded you of Dead of Winter, Mike? Yeah, there's a mechanic in a game called Dead of Winter. Some of you probably heard of it because it's a really popular zombie game. But got to say, I don't love that game. But there was one aspect of it that I really enjoyed, which was the decision-making portion, where you'd get a card and it would have a whole write-up on it, a bunch of flavor text, and it would ask you, oh, do you abandon this person or do you help them back to your camp? And you make the decision first, and then you flip the card over to see what the results of each of those two decisions are. And this had that in the voting, but it took it to the next extreme level where it's really participatory instead of just kind of being a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, not just um, participatory, but actually telling a story and continuing that story. Mm -hmm. The game kind of built as you went through each decision, and I felt... 
the weight of the earlier decision impacted me later on. Mm-hmm. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury the King's Dilemma. Mike? King's Dilemma gave us great tools and opportunities for role-playing. Combine that with a ton of mystery envelopes and stickers and you've got me forever. <laughs> dig it up. Ed? If you can find a group of friends that can play this game on a regular basis, I'd heartily recommend checking out The King's Dilemma. As long as one player can keep up with all the legacy mechanics, the basic game is very approachable for most players. So I vote I dig up this game. (laughs) I. Evan? The King's Dilemma is a thinking person's game with plenty of room for the kind of role-playing flair that we at Which Game First love. Now, I think, Ed, it's an intermediate to advanced level board game. So I think you need to be mindful of who you can get to commit to playing with you. Otherwise, there's no dilemma here. Dig it up. It's almost like playing a portion of a D&D game. (laughs) 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 But it's a really fun portion. Uh, Lots of decisions. And who can resist a sealed envelope? (gasps) Open it. Oh, my God, I want to open more right now. (laughs) If you have thoughts about The King's Dilemma, come chat with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Burn Rate, designed by Rich Kohler, published by Cool Studio in 2002. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 13 and up, playtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of Burn Rate shows a chaotic scene with a yellow stock market arrow plummeting downward while a robot pours your cash on the ground, a computer explodes, and a cat flies through the air, much to its dismay. Inside this tiny box is a stack of 156 colorfully illustrated cards. Yep, that's it. Okay, well, before we find out if this game's Series A funding was worth it, Evan, tell us how it's played. Burn Rate is a card game that puts the players in the role of a dot-com CEO trying to keep their startup afloat. The challenge? Lose your company's money as slowly as possible. (laughs) Each player starts by drafting a team of four employees, and they get an equal amount of cash. Uh, In a four-player game, that's $80 each person. Each employee has a skill number, and that skill allows the play of cards that represent their actions. For example, a funding card with a skill prerequisite of two requires a finance employee with a skill of two to play it. The more employees you have, the more actions you can potentially take. But be careful, more employees means a higher payroll. Each player has a hand of six action cards, of which up to four can be played each turn. Actions include forcing other companies to hire more employees or pinning bad ideas on other players who then must assign their engineers or hire expensive contractors to these money-draining tasks. At the end of each turn, players must pay all their employees. This is the company's burn rate. A player wins when all the others have run out of money. (laughs) A pure game of attrition. All right, so this was, drumroll please, one of our thrift store finds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Evan brought it to the table. It has been so long since we've been able to play a thrift store find because of I COVID. Uh, Evan, how much did you pay for this one? 
I paid one dollar <laughs> and six cents in tax, so a dollar six. <laughs> All right, we're about to find out if we got our money's worth. And Evan, did you buy it because the banner on the top of the game box said? thousands sold (laughs) oh my gosh how could i not anytime a product has that on it i'll buy it you know it's a winner they've sold thousands already dozens sold not like it wasn't even like a sticker that they put on after the fact it's printed on the box it is right there above the name i was a little bit disturbed by the fact the cat seemed to be missing two of its arms (laughs) yeah the dog is only a head well, this was 2002 when this game came out, so I don't know. Maybe tastes have changed in the last 18 years, but... <laughs> really? Really? You think this was <laughs> well, perfect for its time, Evan? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I look through this time period, and I can tell you, no. Even then, it was not good. Well, the... <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. Go ahead, Evan. No, no, All no. Right. <laughs> so, Ed, what is a burn rate? Let's just talk about that first, people. Why is this game called burn rate and what does it mean? The burn rate is typically used to describe the rate at which a new company is spending its venture capital to finance overhead before generating a positive cash flow from its operations. <laughs> so, in other words, burning through their cash. How fast they burn through it. So, they're trying to try to get that idea going so they can finally make a profit using that startup money. So basically you're just drawing cards, drawing cards, drawing cards, burning all the cards in your hand as much as you can. Like you burn up to four cards and you only have six. My favorite part of the game was that (laughs) finance just popped up randomly throughout the game. Like, oh, I got some more money. I got some more money. It's just based (laughs) on that. And I'm just imagining, hilariously imagining where they picked up this money. It reminded me a lot of Silicon Valley, that show on HBO where people are just constantly scrambling to get somebody to fund them. Yes, this this is exactly the more um, old take on Silicon Valley. Yeah. So there was also a, in the game a bunch of bad idea cards that you could plague other players with. A ton of them. But mm-hmm. were these bad ideas bad? They didn't. <laughs> they seemed like legit ideas, like like a digital wallet. Yeah, digital wallet, or right. or like clothing delivery services from like Amazon or whatever. <laughs> it's just like stuff that's working right now. I guess this was before that time. Though at the time, they seemed like bad ideas that athlete came to fruition (laughs) yeah they were ahead of their time really a lot of these ideas reading through the bad ideas that eventually became part of our everyday life that alone is worth the price of the dollar what are you talking about a bad idea i use this every day (laughs) what do you mean bad idea that's a billion dollar company now you should have just kept burning cash you would have made it that's right (laughs) handheld uh ir scanners was one of them i'm like everybody uses a handheld scanner now yeah i mean heck it's just an app on our phone now yeah yeah it makes me wonder if they were joking or if they were seriously thinking that they were bad me too me too i was like they must have been bad ideas how else could they have made the game (laughs) i don't i don't know i don't know what their thinking was so this game is a lot of luck of the draw. Oh, yes. Like you said, the finance cards, oh, they give you such a lifeline, but you have to get lucky enough to A, draw them, and B, be able to play them. And that goes to mucking your hand, which is an option. Oh, please don't get me started on mucking your hand. So the strategy in this game, <laughs> too late. The dominant <laughs> strategy in this game is to muck your whole hand on most turns. <laughs> How could that possibly be a. a on-purpose game mechanic that they put in as a feature instead of a bug. 
That basically means you're losing if you're mucking most of the time, because I think the better play is to have four cards you can play and get four new ones anyway. But getting your hands on specific cards is very important in this game, because you might not be able to play stuff in your hand unless you have the right employees. But if you have a decent set of employees that don't cost you too much, you kind of just want to lay low and let your, your burn rate happen slowly. Or get really lucky like Celeste did and get an excellent finance person and just burn through your cards until you can put extra money into your company. And hope that that excellent finance person doesn't get poached mm -hmm. by another player because there is a poach card. Mm -hmm. And if the yeah. match is correct, thank you. I'll take that player. Put him into my employee stack. Mm -hmm. right. Well, that is a common flaw or problem with take that game because the player that get attention early on can lead to like a little fight among a couple of players that say, yeah, take that, you, you take that. Meanwhile, the other person sitting in the corner quietly is just like, okay, I'm okay now. Just don't draw too much attention to me. Ed knows a little something about that strategy. Mike, you do too. Yeah, I do. I do. That is, that is one of my main strategies to fly is to lay low. <laughs> oh boy. But what did me in was the multiply your burn rate by two oh, this round ouch. card. Oh yeah. That got first played on me and that put me in a hole. So I yeah. shared the love, as it were. Thanks, Ed. I know. You did me in with that, that one. That burn rate doubled is insanity. For one second, Mike thought there was a burn rate four. Burn rate four would kill you dead. Yeah. If you, if you had a <laughs> yeah. burn rate four, you'd be out of the game. So burn rate two means it's a card you can throw on somebody else to spend double their employee costs that month. Painful to just think about. Yeah. it wasn't. I wasn't worried about the, the burn rate times two because I had cheaper employees. But one of the cards that really hurt me was... Bad idea times four. That means yeah. I need four engineers. Uh, engineers to cover that card up so it doesn't hurt me. And if you don't have enough engineer power, you have to go to the, the contractor yeah, pile. Yeah, the contractors. Yep. They cost you triple. The numbers were a little confusing. There's like two different numbers on every employee card, but three locations for numbers on the card. So one of those yeah. numbers is doubled, which is totally unnecessary. It just makes you look more at the card than you need to. And another thing about it was the the way to use the damaging cards was a little bit tricky because you had to get through the employee number at the top. And some of these uh, damage cards had multiple numbers. And see, it's hard yeah. to even talk about. Right. I can't even but describe it. Let's it, just yeah. say the, the matching of the colors and numbers was confusing. If I'm trying to play a card to hinder Celeste, I need it, and let's say it's a blue human resources card. My card that I'm trying to play against her must match her blue human resource number card that she has as part of her employee stack there. If it matches, I can play it. If not, then she's not a target. She's not a, a viable target for me. Honestly, when I got to thinking about it, I was like, I don't know, maybe that's on theme because it is kind of confusing <laughs> figuring out who's making what money from what in these companies when they start mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Are you giving them probably too much credit here? <laughs> oh, definitely. But I think a big part of the game is trying to manage your human resources where you have four different apartments plus a, a slew of engineers. You're trying to make sure that you have the best people in the right position while still not burning through too much cash. Yeah, so you get to fire people and hire them and stuff. And I was able to, I had a good, pretty good equilibrium for a good chunk of the game. And my burn rate was, you know, six or seven per hand, which is very low. Yeah, mine was double that. 
So I, I was really managed. Yeah, I know, Celeste, you were going hard. But I got walloped in the end <laughs> once everyone kind of realized I was out in the lead. It's like, oh, here you go. Bam, 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 bam. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those games where being the leader is not great because that puts a big target on your back. Yeah, it's pile on time. But also the leader kind of locks down some of the good cards usually and, and they don't go back into the pile of cards you can hire. The only way to get them back from them is to steal them from them. And then you got to have a tough enough card to steal it. Somebody stole my only HR person, and the card that I need to steal other people's cards with is HR cards, so I didn't have any cards to steal cards with. (laughs) I didn't have an HR person. (laughs) Yeah, the convolutedness of some of the aspects of this game is hilarious, actually. (laughs) Very hilarious. I did not find them hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, basically, you have to have a good HR department in order to be able to post or hire good people. Right, Mike? Yeah, totally. (laughs) And if you don't have anybody in there, anybody can play a card with a zero value on it on that space. Yeah, you have four departments. It's good to have somebody in every department because otherwise you're vulnerable in one department and the other companies can use that against you to exploit you pretty easily. Yeah, like, oh, did you hear about Mikey's company? They lost their HR guy. Oh, let's go over there and see how good their engineers are. Let's go get them. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a a pile-on situation where... Things get worse for the people who are down. Yeah. Oh, and here's three bad ideas for you on top of it. You're trying to play four of the six cards out of your hand. So you don't you don't hold back on the bad ideas if you have them. You just play them. You play them, right. If you can. If the numbers match and you are allowed to play it against someone, you definitely send them loose. Yep, and that's why the person on the bottom gets beat up so much because they don't have any protection. Right, because otherwise you're just mucking them. So you might as well use them. Yeah, I mean, it is a backstab game of the purest kind. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury burn rate. Mike? When the best strategy for winning is to dump your hand more often (laughs) than playing it, your game has a fatal flaw. Bury this travesty. Evan? Burn rate was frustrating at first, but by the end of the game, I was actually enjoying the challenge and appreciating most of the game (laughs) mechanics. Sorry, Mike. I'm not sure how much replayability this game has. I think it wears on you (laughs) soon. But it was worth the... Thrift store price, we paid for it. Come on. So dig it up. Ed? It took a bit of playing to go from how does this work to, ah, I get it now. And it was interesting to see an 18-year-old perspective on the dot-com bubble. I did enjoy this blast from the past, but it burned through my interest in just one play. (laughs) So I'll have to bury it. If you are a backstab aficionado, this game will not disappoint. It is the most backstabby of backstab games I think I've ever played. (laughs) (laughs) And it was fascinating to see the bits about the dot-com. You're right about that, Ed. But for me, I'm going to go ahead and bury it. If you have thoughts about burn rate, we'd love to hear from you. We are on Twitter. Give us a shout out there and tell us your thoughts, any memories you have about the era. And check out our pictures of this on Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. Come see us on any social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Check us out on Twitch every Thursday night. And if you want to become a supporter of this show and get our exclusive podcast, yes, that's right, we have an exclusive podcast for patrons only every week. You want those bonus points, son? Bonus points! Bonus! If you want to hear bonus points, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First. Happy gaming, explorers! 
Burninating the money. <laughs> Burninating the cash flow. That's not an improvement. 